Welcome to an episode of Ballet Class Revolution. Today we're traveling back in time to the grand courts of the Italian Renaissance, where the very roots of ballet began to take shape. Close your eyes and imagine with me. The grandeur of a European royal court. High arch ceilings and golden chandeliers cast a soft glow over intricately designed marble floors. The room buzzes with excitement. Noblemen and women dressed in elaborate attire eagerly anticipate the evening's entertainment. Ladies wear flowing gowns, shimmering with jewels and intricate embroidery, their faces hidden behind delicate masks. The gentlemen, not to be outdone, are adorned in rich velvets and brocades, hats decorated with feathers. Then the music begins. A live orchestra produces harmonious tunes, drawing everyone's attention to the center of the ballroom. The dance begins. Pairs of dancers, perfectly synchronized, move gracefully across the floor, interpreting the music with their steps. Their dance, more structured and narrative than merely recreational, tells a story. This isn't just any dance. It's an early form of ballet. For now, let's revel in the beauty and sophistication of these early court dances. They set the stage quite literally for the global phenomenon ballet has become. So how did this transition from court entertainment to professional theater happen? What's really fascinating is how ballet evolved from these early court entertainment and as the form began to transition to professional theater, it took place primarily during Louis XIV's reign. It became more than just a courtly pastime. Louis XIV was a really interesting character, definitely one of my favorites to discuss. He was a huge fan of the arts and proponent of the sciences, and did a lot when it comes to developing these things in France at the time that he was king. Of course, there is a lot to be said about the negative impacts of his frivolous spending towards most things, including these pastimes, but they did a lot to develop art and especially ballet. So Louis XIV was not just a patron of ballet, but he also was a dancer himself. He performed in several of his own court ballets, starting at a very young age. His most famous role was as Apollo, the sun god, in the ballet, Ballet de la Nuit, in 1653. This performance actually is what led to his nickname, and what we know him by still today as the Sun King. It also showcased his personal passion for the art. In 1661, Louis XIV established the Académie Royale de Danse, which was the first professional dance academy in the Western world. This institution was crucial in professionalizing ballet as an art form. This academy later merged with the Académie Royale de Musique, giving birth to the Paris Opera and its dance wing subsequently, which is the Paris Opera Ballet was the precursor to the most significant professional ballet companies in the world today. 
So Louis XIV's dance master, Pierre Beauchamp, was the architect behind codifying the five basic positions of the feet in ballet, which we still use today. This fundamental groundwork was crucial for developing ballet technique. The standardization helped to ensure that ballet techniques were passed down more uniformly, helping spread the longevity of the art form. With the king's endorsement, ballet became essential to court life. This royal patronage helped to elevate its status, making it recognized and a revered art form. Louis XIV also helped in establishing ballet schools. There was a recognized need for structured training. The first ballet schools were established under his reign. This helped to ensure that the training of dancers on a professional skill would standardize curriculum, focusing on technical mastery and artistry, something that still is in development again today. Louis XIV also contributed in other ways. With his long-term legacy, the institutions that he helped to establish and the standards that he had set played a pivotal role in ensuring that ballet continued to flourish and evolve in subsequent centuries. And not just in France, obviously, but around the world. So today's ballet world really owes much more to the foundations that were set during his time than I think we often give it credit for. So I want to talk about a few other key figures from this time who I think are pretty important to bring up and helpful to know when you're trying to reflect on the artistry and where we come from in the ballet world. I mentioned earlier Pierre Beauchamp. He was a choreographer and a dancer during the reign of Louis XIV. One thing I really want to talk about someday is how ballet survived the French Revolution, much as it survived many other what could be catastrophic cultural events that are taking place throughout history. Pierre Beauchamp was one of the key figures in its survival. But in addition to that, as I mentioned earlier, his codifying the five fundamental positions in ballet were hugely instrumental in developing ballet as we know today. But he also played that pivotal role in establishing and directing the Académie Royale de Danse. Another important individual to discuss that I can definitely give some recommendations for some possible reading to get more background information on him as well as others, but this would be Jean-Georges Novaire. He was also a French choreographer and dancer. Uh, but his huge contribution to the world of ballet and dance as we know it today was including multiple elements and unifying them to tell a story. Some of these elements could include dance, music, decor, and possibly attire. Next, there's Maurice Petipa. He was a French-born dancer, teacher, and choreographer who later worked in Russia. He is best known for his contribution to multiple classical ballets and their choreography. Some of these include Swan Lake, The Nutcracker, Sleeping Beauty, 
Petipa's methods of structuring a ballet, his choreography, and his ideas help to form the cornerstone of classical ballets today. Often when you think of ballet, you think of those ballets that I just named. He was considered the father of classical ballet. Next, there's Enrico Cicchetti. He was an Italian ballet dancer and founder of the Cicchetti Method. His contribution, obviously, then, is his creation of this Cicchetti Method. Cicchetti's method is still a technique that is widely used today. His method helps to emphasize the importance of using the entire body to achieve fluidity. Next, we have George Balanchine, one of the more popular choreographers in the United States, especially. He was Russian-born, and there need to be multiple episodes about him because really fascinating character who obviously contributed so much to the ballet world. But some of his most known contributions include his neoclassical style that is the element of the New York City Ballet and that is a company that he co-founded. He produced numerous works that expanded the boundaries of ballet and is regarded as a pioneering figure in 20th century dance. Next we have Anna Pavlova. She was a Russian prima ballerina. She's widely regarded as one of the greatest ballerinas of all time. She's most recognized for her role in The Dying Swan. What is significant about Pavlova and the reason why she made this list today is because her global tours, the globalization that she introduced to ballet, helped to promote it worldwide and create more of that awareness and respect for the art of dance. So Pavlova was very important for that, and there have actually been multiple dancers over time who have helped to basically ensure the same thing, that ballet's popularity is not isolated to one area, but becomes a worldwide phenomenon. Another such person that you may have heard of, who I also have a great fascination with, is Rudolf Nureyev. He was a Soviet-born dancer and choreographer. His contribution is basically that his expressive performance, his ability to tell a story with his body and do it effectively where an audience felt connected to him, in addition to his technical ability, which was exceptional, helped to greatly influence the role of men in ballet. Nureyev's defection from the Soviet Union to the West in the 1960s helped to bring that significant global attention to the ballet world as well. So the evolution of ballet over the centuries has been vast and multifaceted. It delves into the aspects of techniques, storytelling, and representation, offering a comprehensive view of that transformation. So for technique, with early ballet, it originated in the Italian Renaissance courts. Early ballet was more of a series of stately movements than it was intricate choreography. It was more focused on patterns and shapes rather than technical prowess. So often I'm sure when you see, you know, organized styles of dance, that's going to be reflective of court dance, that early form of ballet. Moving into the Romantic era then, we have our 19th century ballet dancers starting to dance on the tips of their toes. This is what we call today on point, demanding more strength and precision. 
This era introduced softer, flowing movements juxtaposed with rigorous technical demands. You know, we could go into so much more detail about these different eras and different elements that were introduced, and I definitely plan to break it down more in future episodes. Just suffice it to say, you start to see that shift into more physical demands and more uh, performance element in our Romantic era. Moving further then into the 20th century and now to today, ballet techniques have continued to evolve. They have become even more demanding. You know, you start to see the technical feats that dancers are capable of are way beyond what a dancer could have conceived of in past eras and generations. This introduction of neoclassical ballet and contemporary ballet also meant that dancers have a need for versatility beyond classical technique. So this is one of the elements of evolution and ballet survival that I argue is taking place currently. You're not necessarily seeing ballet the way that it was in past generations. However, you are seeing it still existing in various forms of movement. These movements have become more grounded, quick, and intricate. So moving next into storytelling, we began with court ballet, right? That was in our Italian Renaissance era. And initially, ballets did not prioritize storytelling. They were courtly displays, more focused on grandeur than on actual narrative. But when we move into our Romantic era, storytelling becomes pivotal. It is the essence of ballet. Ballets like Giselle and La Sylphide, my favorites, incorporated narrative-driven choreography, often revolving around these ethereal creatures or tragic romances that the audience actually feels connected to. And then there's also the element of the story and the music and the movement all having to come together to make a bigger picture for the audience. Then now coming back into our 20th century changes, story ballets continue, but there's also this significant push towards abstract ballets, especially with the advent of neoclassical ballet by choreographers like aforementioned George Balanchine. Ballet started to revolve more around moods or the music or themes rather than concrete stories. So there were various representations to ballet. The origins to the 19th century ballet for the longest time was a European dominated art, representing primarily Western stories, characters, and ideals. Dancers conformed to a particular body type, sylph-like, slender, and predominantly white. 20th century ballet begins to diversify slowly. Dancers like Arthur Mitchell break racial barriers. He went on to found the Dance Theater of Harlem, focusing on providing opportunity for dancers of color. Moving into the 21st century, the ballet world is more conscious of diversity and inclusivity than ever before. Companies worldwide are becoming more representative of various body types, races, and backgrounds. Ballets are being revised to be culturally sensitive and appropriate moving away from past racial and cultural stereotypes. Furthermore, there's more of a significant push for telling diverse stories through ballet. So to kind of wrap up today's episode, which I hope you guys enjoyed, and I definitely have so much more to say about 
all of the stuff we've talked about. But just to wrap it up, from its regal origins in the Renaissance courts to the contemporary stages of today, ballet has undergone radical transformations and evolution. These changes mirror the societal, cultural, and artistic evolutions of the times, making ballet both a reflection and a vanguard of change. Thank you for joining me on this journey today. If you're a dancer or an enthusiast, understanding these roots can give such depth to your appreciation of ballet. Stay on point and join me next time as we continue to uncover the enchanting world of ballet.